Greetings, Planeswalkers, and welcome to Dies to Removal, the Magic the Gathering podcast where Pleasant Kenobi and myself talk about all things Magic the Gathering. This week, since literally <clears throat> nothing has happened in the news of Magic the Gathering, there has been no controversy, no garbage fires, no disasters, nothing that anyone could possibly object to. We are going to take a step back from criticizing Wizards of the Coast, because what could you possibly criticize Wizards of the Coast about this week uh, and talk about Legacy? Oh, no, wait. We could spend about five hours criticizing Wizards of the Coast. Why aren't we going to do that, Vince? Um, is it because we're is it because we're sellout shills? We have been well, paid that, off. That, that's the that's the actual reason. But now you've told them why, and they all know. But the the the, the reason we're going to tell you or, or give to the audience was that we were kind of sick of um, almost like negative circle jokes where we just go on and on and on about. How bad there's, everything is. There's nothing worse than a negative circle jerk. The best circle jerk is a positive one. If you're yes, not yes. enjoying your circle jerk, you are jerking your circle wrong. Perhaps. Exactly. Perhaps. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a downward spiral as opposed to an upward. I don't know. I've, I've lost him. He's gone. Look, he can't, can't hear the word circle and jerk in the same sentence without losing losing his <laughs> losing his stuff. Um, so, yeah, we've decided this week to just talk about something that we enjoy and we like about magic because there is a lot of positive things about magic. And I often talk about, on my channel about how we can try and be a bit more positive, even right. when magic's getting you down or wizards even, getting you down. I mean, even, we will come to shortly. There will be a moment where we have to briefly touch upon the reserve list, so there's still going to be things to moan about. Right. But let's talk about magic, in my opinion, magic's greatest format. Modern. <sighs> Popper. What? Why would you even say that? Popper's all right. No, isn't Popper in a bad place right now as well? I don't pay no. enough Popper to really Popper is in a great place. Popper is legacy light. And it is going to be at GPLA. No. Um, Yes. Popper's fine. Everybody bring your popper decks. Everybody everybody, I don't want to scare people off. Don't scare them off. Everybody bring your bring your bring your popper decks to GPLA. We've got Caleb Derwald will be playing in the Popper PTQ at GPLA. So come meet Caleb Derwald and I'll also be there. And I hear I hear there are some incredibly Unknown minor celebrities such as please, yeah. please, 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 Ant, please, Ant, the please, Ant, yeah, can can I buy? Can I buy? Cannabis. I think he's please got a YouTube Ant. channel. I think he streams. Yeah. No, and he's gonna be he's gonna be right. there as well. So Pleasant Kenobi, Popper, though. Pleasant Kenobi will be in Los Angeles. We'll be introducing yes. him to things such as cold be beer, and uh, Caleb Derwald will be in. Los Angeles playing Popper, and I hope you will too. But we are not talking Legacy Light today. We are talking Legacy Hardcore. Full fact. Full fact. Legacy. And what is the thing about Legacy? Well, let's actually just start with what is Legacy, in case you don't know. What is Legacy, Vince? Yeah, so to clarify, Legacy is a true eternal format in the sense that it does not rotate. Right. Uh, every set is legal in uh, Legacy, including all supplemental sets. Every black border, should I say. Silver border, obviously, and gold border not included. Every single set is legal, so when Conspiracy comes out, we get new cards. When Commander sets come out, some of those cards make impacts in Legacy, which we'll talk about a little bit, a little bit later as well. True name Nemesis, uh, with- yes. Exactly, exactly. The the biggest the, the way to understand legacy and vintage is the two old eternal formats is that vintage has every has a restricted list. Nothing is truly banned apart from anti and dexterity cards, like you know, like coin from um what's it called? Chaos Orb? Chaos Orb, yes. Chaos yes. Orb, that's the one. 
That's vintage. Legacy has certain cards banned. So the power is banned, for example. There is a ban list. Right. But beyond the ban list, you can play with pretty much all your old favourite cards. Really old powerful effects, silly effects, and stuff we'll come to more in a moment. But essentially, Legacy is an eternal, non-rotating format where almost everything is legal, bar a select ban list and no silver border cards. All right. So... Uh, what is it that you love about Legacy so much? Why should I play Legacy? Why Why do you play Legacy, Vince? Um, I think Legacy is great because it's so wide and open as a format. There are so many things you can do in Legacy that it's very easy to find a deck that you associate with, or it's very easy to uh, adjust to a metagame. So essentially, with formats like Modern, where you're seeing things like powerful sideboard cards become the most important part mm. of Modern, and we're seeing people demand bans constantly, Legacy tends not to have that issue. Um, decks will have better tools to disrupt their opponents, things like Force of Wills and Dazes and Wastelands and Cabal Therapies, so that most decks stand a chance against other decks. What we also get is better selection in pretty much every possible way. We get loads of powerful tutors, we get brainstorms and, and ponders and things, so that you get multiple decision trees at multiple po moments in the game, which allow you to leverage play skill. So sometimes you will have a deck that people will tell you is tier 3, but you'll go to a tournament and you'll run hot and you'll go 8-0 because you have just... 8-0? What tournament about? GP, I guess? Um, you have leveraged What's every a GP? decision. No, wait, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Yeah, that's true. To understand where you could win and beat out your opponent with skill. So I'm not, I'm not saying that other formats aren't skillful or need skill, because that's something that people probably don't want to hear from legacy players sounding all holier than thou. But I believe legacy allows people to leverage that skill, like pro players, for example, to um, play just the weirdest of things and still get away with it. But if I have, let me ask you a question. Now, we're going to talk about misconceptions later, and I don't want to get into that, but I just want to ask you, sure. you said that one of the things you like about Legacy is that if you've got a style of deck, a type of deck that you want to play, you can play it in Legacy. Surely that can't mean, is there merfolk for someone who loves merfolk? Thank you for setting me up there, Brian. Yes, there is. is Merfolk exists. Oh, well, but Merfolk's blue and, and Legacy's all blue. Is there stuff like Enchantress? Yes, yes. There, there are Enchantress decks. Yes, elves. there are multiple versions of Affinity. Yes, there are arguably multiple versions of Elves as well. Surely not something like White Aggro. Oh, oh yes, there are. There is one big main version, and then there's some sort of spin-offs as well that splash other colors, or just go bigger with Soulland. Yeah. Wow. So there really are a wide variety of decks in Legacy, and yeah, and I mean, yes. I mean and it's um, yeah, it's it's so good. That, oh god, I get so excited thinking about Legacy because there is such a sheer amount of of, of playstyles. Like you have the, the Storm deck. There's two quite differing versions of Storm. There is there's also like Storm decks that are also half reanimator, and there are Storm decks that are like um, sort of cantripping turn one combo decks. And then you've got like control. You can play like a Grixis tap out control with creatures, or you can play bug tap out control with creatures, or you can play blue white drawgo control. And then you've got different aggro decks, different prison strategies. Honestly, whenever I, I love modern, I really love modern when it's in yeah. a good place. But I'm always amazed when I look at a, a, like a empty goldfish metagame breakdown for Legacy compared to Modern, because just weird things just prop up where the metagame is adjusting and shifting. And yeah, Legacy is just exciting. It's always exciting, and you see people playing weird old cards that you'd never. I've played play a lot of Legacy, and people still play cards that me go, "What? What?" And I have to pick the card up and read it. Is oh. there any type of well-known deck 
uh, that doesn't, or deck archetype that doesn't really exist in Legacy. It sounds like so much exists in Legacy. I think an easier way of defining it might be to say, oh, well, you're not really going to see this specific deck, but everything else. Is there anything that just so. like, doesn't have a home in Legacy? There are things that fall in our favor. So, yeah. like, I mean, there, there are things that aren't very popular, like Zoo, for example. Okay. At one point or another, Zoo was a popular thing in Legacy. Yeah, so I couldn't but, really play Legacy Zoo. But the but the thing is, Zoo has fallen out of favor because probably most of the Delver decks are better because they're mm-hmm. playing small creatures that hit as hard and have permission and removal and cantrips and such. But you could play Zoo. That's oh. the great beauty of, like I said, you get so many decision moments in a game of Legacy that as long as you're making the good choices and you know what you're doing... Sure. Actually, to be fair, you can fumble your way through Legacy as well. That's the thing that comes to the moment. You don't have to know what you're doing. I, my first oh, Legacy well, thank just, goodness. That means I have a chance. <laughs> Well, you want to play Merfolk for a start. But, um, Merfolk but- is actually, well, ever since they banned uh, 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 Top, Merfolk uh, fell out of favor. I mean, Merfolk is, I think Merfolk's a lot better deck in Legacy than it is in Modern, because you get access to Truly Nimbus and Force of Will, which are pretty good magic cards. Yeah, those so. are pretty good magic cards. Uh, <laughs> why uh, why Truly Nemesis is a Merfolk, I do not know. It could have been like a fish to right. avoid tribal synergies, but right. like, nah, we'll just, we'll just stick it in a well-established tribe of lords. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's because Thank, Wizards, Wizards of the Coast forgets that Legacy exists, which is usually a good thing, and uh, in this case, it was not a good thing because they made this broken card that shouldn't exist, but hey, it, it did wonders for Merfolk. Yeah, so, so while you're on that topic of like um, so so legacy rarely has bands clambered for like we see with modern all the time mm-hmm. people did start to admit that top was a little bit oppressive in the sense that miracles was arguably the best deck for a long time miracles is blue white control as they call it it's just you senses divining top to lock people out with with counterbalance um so people realized that and people kind of agree with it some people didn't i didn't agree but most people were like yeah it probably should go death right charm was the same it's making the format too homogenous everyone's playing the same thing just four color good stuff because death right made our mana base is too good true name is one of the few cards where people are discussing it is it too good because it's blue is arguably the best color in legacy which is again something we'll come to in the misconceptions at the moment and True Name is, like, one of the best threats. It's blue. It pitches the Force of Will. Uh, it doesn't need any other game plan because it just comes down and just hits you and kills you. Right. So True Name is probably too good. But the great thing about Legacy is because you've got so many good tools to interact with it, for the most part, uh, you can still win through True Name. I beat True Names in play all the time. So that's my my bar for... It probably isn't too good, but... Yeah. For me, what I really like about Legacy is kind of uh, the fact that you can use almost any card in Magic. And while there are, of course, some banned cards in Legacy, and rightfully so, and there are, of course, a lot of cards throughout Magic's history that simply aren't playable, what I really want out of Magic are formats where magic cards can be played. For a lot of people, that's Commander. For a lot of people, that's modern these days. But there's so many more cards in the pre-modern era that are a part of Legacy. And these are cool, interesting cards. I like being able to sit down and play magic to know that old cards that I played with in high school can be played. And also, yeah, that big variety of decks gets me very excited. I hate being told no, uh, especially Mm -hmm. by control players, but I hate being told no even more so by Wizards of the Coast and having them say no, uh, you can't play with these cards. No, you only have to use the new cards. And so that's why I gravitate towards formats like Commander, why I gravitate towards formats like Popper. And Modern, for me, 
I guess why I really went all in on modern over legacy initially was my fear of the reserve list and of the costs Mm -hmm. that accrue with the reserve list and that if legacy were ever to explode in popularity the way modern has, what that would mean for card prices. Uh, Let's talk about, before we get to budget options, let's talk about the reserve list. Yes. What is it and why is it absolute hogwash why is it what is it and why is it wrong okay so base level for anyone who doesn't know the reserve list is a set of cards that can never be reprinted uh that means those cards as they the demand goes up for them and the supply goes down and some get destroyed lost locked away in collections by filthy mtg finance people that sort of thing the prices on those cards go up and up and up uh city of traitors gears cradles the original jewel lands Right. Um, certain random things. Drop of Honey. Drop of Honey, which you can put, oh, put on the screen now. Drop of Honey is a green original. Perfury Nodes is a white color shift Drop of Honey. Perfury Nodes is a $4 card. Drop of Honey is like 600 right. 1000 or something ridiculous. And why does the, the reserve, reserve list... list exist, Vince? Why does it exist? Okay. I bet you don't so know. The... I bet you don't know. Well, I'm going to take a guess. If right. I was to guess why a company would make a list like the reserve <laughs> list... It's probably because at some point in their past, they burned some collectors and some stores and some people that were invested in the game by reprinting the cards a little bit too much or just very suddenly. And then when those people turned around and were very vocal, for once in Wizards' lifetime, perhaps they listened to the vocal majority and went, do you know what? Do you know what? We'll promise never to reprint these cards again. Fast forward 25 years, they're like, oh, we really wish we didn't make that promise. But apparently... Apparently, it's legally binding because American contract law or something is nonsense. No. Uh, so they they won't do away with it. They keep wrong, saying they won't do away wrong, with it. Wrong, wrong, That is the that wrong? is well. First of all, it's not legally binding. Liar, lawyers have well, weighed keep, in on they this. Keep sa- they keep saying it is, Brian. It is not. Uh, uh, lawyers have. Why would wizards lie, Brian? Wizards of the coast lie, unheard of. Uh, also, the real reason. Now, you described the popular. Uh, misconception that this was because right. Chronicles was printed goes all the way back to Bloody Chronicles and people were upset that their stupid Elder Dragons weren't worth as much anymore and and that this is where the reserve list came out of. But the real reason behind the reserve list, the true reason behind the reserve list is there is no reason. It's baloney. It's stupid and there's no reason behind it. That's the truth. But, That's the truth that okay. Wizards of the Coast doesn't want you to know. <laughs> okay. There is but, but, no but, but, reason. But the hypothetical I just gave is the reason they give or gave at the time. That is that is the bull plop. The narrative that bull plop. That, okay, you're saying it's bull plop, but that is the narrative that Wizards puts forward. They're wrong. There's no reason for the reserve list. This <laughs> you, has been demonstrated. I can demonstrate it right here. I can demonstrate it right here. I'm yeah. going to pull up on my screen. Uh, if I wanted to buy, to play with, a Birds of Paradise, uh, what's that going to cost me? Any birds. No, no, no. Just, I just what what want, edition would you like to play with? I don't care. I just want a Birds of Paradise. Well, let's, let's just say hypothetically you want to play with an M10 Birds because you really like the little gold 10. Uh, okay, an M10 birds, whatever. I mean, I don't really care. Uh, according to this... Uh, uh, that... I'm trying to set you up here, Brian. That's yeah. what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give you an M10 birds compared to the Alpha one. I'm trying sure. to help you out here, buddy. Yes, yes. Everybody knows where we're going with this. It's six bucks. Five, six bucks for Birds of Paradise. Is that much for Birds of Paradise? Yeah. That, God, that... they need to reprint things more often. <laughs> uh, so then if we go back to a Birds of Paradise uh, uh, from Alpha, uh, it is, oh my goodness... 
$1,368.49. This is a card that has been reprinted 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 times if you count promos. Uh, and it's five bucks, but the original one is still 1300 bucks. This demonstrates that if they were to reprint Dual Lands, Moxes, Black Lotus Eye, uh, that the original ones would still retain a significant value. Maybe it would go down a yes. little bit. But the truth is, is that if you're in the market for a beta Mox Emerald, the fact that they made a paper Vintage Masters where using new art and a new card frame and new cardboard stock that is not as good, uh, that it will not depreciate dramatically the value of that card. There's a difference between a collector's item and a player's item, and having copies of these cards to play with, it would do nothing in terms of devaluing those cards. So there's I think, no I think reason in, I think for, saying the, it would do for nothing. the reserve list. I think it, it, would do it would do little. Nothing. It would do little. Yeah, I, little. So there would definitely be a price decrease, and that's one of the things that people are scared of. You know, they they they, they finally save up to buy their Mox Emerald. Talk about extreme examples right. for their vintage or Highlander deck, <laughs> and then it gets reprinted into the new Vintage Master set, and then the card's worth, let's say, t only two hundred dollars less than what it was. It's still over a grand, and they're a bit sad. So there would be a depreciation, but like your you showed with your example, the depreciation doesn't mean they would be worth nothing. They'd still be worth quite a considerable amount because people do like to collect the old stuff. Look at Summer Magic. It's just a random set with random right. cards that already exist elsewhere, but those cards are worth insane amounts of money because of their scarcity and their collectability. Look at Summer things like, like the, guru, the Guru Lands. The Guru Lands guru basics. are, are yeah, basics. Exactly. It's a basic island and it's $700 because it was only printed once and people favor the artwork and the artwork is incredible. Uh, look at the fact that they recently, in M19, uh, reprinted the Chippy Esperland art, and if you want to go get the original Esper Basic Lands in foil, they're still significantly more than the M19 ones in foil by a lot, and all that is is a set symbol on it. People yep. collect. I want to foil Guru. I want to foil a uh, Chippy Esper Island with the Alara symbol on it, not with the M19 symbol on it. Well, that's going to be another twenty bucks. There's also it's not just set symbols, Brian. There's also the, the foiling style and the cardstock. That's, no, that's a whole other probably don't want to go into right now. That's another one. That's <laughs> another one. So basically, the reserve list is pointless. It serves no purpose. It doesn't so have to be there. I, I believe it would damage the cost of cards and that I do believe that having valuables within the game does serve a purpose well, I just believe the reserve unlike, the reserve unlike list you is I'm against damaging. it unlike you I'm against no, the reserve I'm list against so the reserve if, list. You, if you agree with me and you hate the reserve list let Pleasant Kenobi know that he's wrong uh, on his Twitter also you could tell Brian not to you could tell Brian not to talk over me in the comment section yes, as well where I finish that's my a point that's um, <laughs> alright go ahead finish, your, I, finish your point I do hate the reserve list. I think it is doing more. I think it's doing more harm than good. I get the existence of. It. I get the some of the rationale behind it and why some people want it to exist still when they've got very expensive collections, especially finance people. Ugh. Who wants but, it to exist? I think even finance people don't want it. Do they really? 
I've I uh, listen, know. I've I heard a lot of dumb things from finance people. I don't hang out with them enough to have yeah. that conversation. I've heard honest. a lot of dumb <laughs> things from finance people. Don't at me. But, uh, but, but the, the, the worst thing about the reserve list is that it's I've damaging legacy. Never heard damaging that. vintage. Yes. Because it's and the it's number it's, one it's reason why people don't play it. It's the number one reason yeah. people don't play legacy is the so cost. So I believe with all my heart that if anyone watching this video has not played legacy yet, gets a chance to play legacy, like three or four games with a deck. They will be like, wow, this is really enjoyable magic. The scary bit is the price. All right. I believe with my heart that if the price was lower, they would love it. But despite the reserve list, which I think is the number one reason people are not playing Legacy or are afraid to play Legacy, the price that it creates, Legacy still is accessible to a lot of people who think that it is not. And what I want to talk about now is how you can access Legacy. Let's just start with budget. Uh, I'm going to come right out and say it. Do you play Mono Red Burn? Because there's a lot of people watching this that love Burn. They play Burn yes. in every format. I, I, if you I play Mono Red, Red Burn, Burn if oh, you play Mono... I wasn't asking you. I was asking our audience, Vince. <laughs> Not you. I don't really care. Sorry, I thought in a I, I honestly <laughs> don't care. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care no, I was, whether you play it or not. I was reading my notes, and then I thought in a back-and-forth podcast you might have been addressing me, so I, I, I didn't tune out, but I tuned back in more and then just answered the question you were asking me. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I, I, don't, I don't care what you play in Legacy events, but I'll ask that in a minute, and I'll pretend to care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you play Mono Red Burn? Then there is no reason that you shouldn't be playing Legacy, because Mono Red Legacy Burn is incredibly affordable, and it is the apotheosis, of course, of Mono Red. So if this is what you like to play, why are you playing Mono Red in Modern when for literally maybe $100 more or so, you could be playing with the best burn spells ever? There's actually been a lot of reprints recently that took mm -hmm. care of some of the higher end. It used to be tough with things like uh, 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 Chain Lightning was really expensive and it got reprinted and now you can get Chain Lightnings for a buck or two. Uh, it's yeah. really fantastic. Mono Red Burn is only I think you can put, if you don't put any fetch lands in it, which you don't really need, there's some builds that run fetch lands for the purposes yeah. of having Grim Lava Mancer, but you don't even really need that. If you don't run those fetch lands, you can have Mono Red Burn put together for about 500 bucks. And, and like you said, like yeah. the cards that transition from the modern to legacy deck are super cheap, but they're also the cards that make the deck more fun. So I'm not a huge fan of playing Modern Burn, but Legacy Burn is actually really fun. Like you haven't you haven't really lived life as a burn player until you've sacked your own mountains to fire blast someone who's who's digging for a, uh, a countless spell to your lightning bolt. Oh, oh it's and fantastic! And price of, and price of progress when your opponent's got like two thousand dollars worth of jewel lands in play and you just shoot them for eight, ten, twelve, fourteen damage. Right. Oh. So that's just right off the bat. But then a lot of other people right now are listening and they're saying, but I don't play Mono Red Burn, so fine, that's the only affordable way is a cheap Mono Red Burn. No, because my favorite deck, Merfolk, is actually very affordable in Legacy. In fact, if you are playing Merfolk in Modern, which is also very affordable in Modern, the amount of cards you need to transition, to turn your Mono Blue Merfolk, Modern Merfolk, into a Legacy merfolk deck are very few in fact the two biggest defenders are force of will and true name nemesis and yeah. beyond that you really don't need much more and that you can be playing in legacy and all joking aside 
Legacy Merfolk is a decent deck that if that's your play style, you can have a lot of fun with. And, and again, it's that refinement of what I said about Burn. Like, you haven't played Burn until you Fireblast someone. You haven't played Merfolk until you put a Jitte on a <laughs> Trillion Nemesis, hit someone, and, like, raft their board with the, the minus one, minus one counters. Right. Like, everything in Legacy is, like, magic that you know and love, but, like, turned up to 11 because everything is so powerful, both both the threats themselves and the answers, which we'll come to in a moment. So Absolutely. So, yeah, like, great deck. Do you like Dredge? Dredge is very affordable in Legacy and is in many ways the apotheosis of Dredge. Well, I think what you're going to find is for many decks in Legacy, their Legacy version is the ultimate version of that deck. Uh, I think regular Legacy Dredge, obviously it's more expensive than modern, but you can put together Legacy Dredge for about $1,000, depending on how you build it. And I think that there are some mana-less Dredge budget builds yep. that are a couple hundred dollars. Like, seriously, a couple hundred dollars that you can put together. I'm looking at uh, MTG Goldfish pricing right now, and there's a Manalist Dredge deck list that was performing very well, getting uh, 5-0, and price in paper, $134? Wow. Uh, $133? Yeah. Okay. If you're a Dredge player, I mean, a lot of people don't like Dredge, but if you do like Dredge, why don't you have that deck put together to go in and have some fun with it? But again, you might hate modern Dredge, but when you play Legacy Dredge, it's a whole different ball game because mm -hmm. things are dredging faster and more powerfully. You have access to Cabal Therapy, right. which is like, it's a hand disruption spell that allows you to win games you did not deserve to win because <laughs> you just need to know what, and, and it rewards you understanding what's going on in that sense as well. And also they have combo kills and combo kills that you can like change depending on what you want to do because there's like, different variants and stuff with Dread Return as well. So again, I keep, I'm going to say this for every deck you say, but every deck you upgrade to a legacy, you're just going to, you're going to see the, except for Jund. Jund doesn't really get that much right of it, but whatever you're gonna see the light you're like wow this is not quite magic as richard garfield intended but it's definitely magic in like heightened state almost but yeah. i am a bit biased i guess yes and here is i mean i actually misspoke because i i didn't have uh it up in front of me but i'm actually looking at burn lists for legacy that are 150 dollars here that are 5-0-ing on Magic Online, $150, $185, So I said I said $500 builds. That was way off, uh, according to this. There's $220. Yeah. So again, are we talking about some more niche uh, decks that maybe a lot of people, they don't like uh, Burn or Dredge or Merfolk styles, and so they're saying, sure, those are less expensive. But that is an in. I mean, at the very least, let me just put this forward. This is what I did. You spend $150, you put Mono Red Burn together, you go down to your local game store, you sit down, you play Legacy, and you go up against different decks, and you learn them that way. You see what they're like. You go up against Combo Elves, you go up against Eldrazi and Taxes, you go up against Grixis Delver, and you go up against Lands and Dark Depths, and then you say, oh, whoa, Dark Depths, that was, that was absolutely amazing. I want that deck. Maybe if you're really, really nice, you ask if you could get a game playing with it, and you switch it around, and you play with that deck, and then you latch onto it, and you say, that is the deck that I want to but put on that, together. But on that point, the, 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 the faster Dark Depths decks, the, the decks that their wing corner is to make a 20-20 and hit you with it, right. like a combo kill almost, the the the, the black-green ones, the Turbo Depths yes, decks, turbo they depths. are $500 or less because they have stopped playing Bayou. 
They're playing Lanawar Waste. Some of them are playing Blossoming Marsh, because you only want to get to three lands anyway sometimes. Right. So those decks that are five owing Legacy Leagues only last week are sub $500, which makes them cheaper than the vast majority of modern decks. And they're viable top-tier decks that when someone loses to an event, they don't walk over their friends and go, oh, I lost to Depths, as if it's like a, a bad thing. Right. They go, oh, I lost to Depths, and that's a real depths threat. That's very respectable, to- yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of pathways and if you just start looking into it you don't let yourself be intimidated by that reserve list by this idea like look absolutely absolutely grixis delver is four thousand dollars got it lands is four thousand eight hundred dollars got it grixis phoenix is four thousand dollars got it but that doesn't mean that all decks are and if you do your research or even just take a minute looking around oh whoa mono white soldiers six hundred dollars uh 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 rakdos burn five hundred dollars there's that five hundred dollar list i'd love to add to that is that when you look at like like, uh, splashing a color in burn or the soldier deck you just mentioned i haven't looked at it but i'm assuming the money is almost exclusively in city of traitors right so there are a lot of decks that once you cut just one or two cards to be slightly suboptimal I mean, Citrus is quite important to the deck, but that's not a plenty of bad example. But you cut the price down absolutely massively. Right. Like there are decks that... What, what was the one I made a note about earlier? The... Oh, it's oh, Fetchers and Burn was one of the obvious ones. If you just cut Fetchers, Burn becomes very cheap. But there are yeah. decks out there that you can make minor adjustments to and play slightly suboptimally and just be, still be able to win massively. And bearing in mind, so if you're sat there thinking, oh, yada, yada, I don't, I don't want to play any of these uh, aggro decks, as it sounds like, you, you don't have to, like... The, the, the blue-black uh, Death Shadow deck, which is technically an aggressive deck in, in my legacy standards, is playing one to two Underground Seas, usually maybe three, but they play a full set of Water Graves because they need to shock themselves. This is a deck in Legacy that is playing Water Graves. Right. So if Force of Will is an expensive card, don't get me wrong, but it's also stretched across a vast amount of the format if you want to play other decks later down the line or, or share with your friends to borrow stuff to play at tournaments. But um, Death Shadow is a legitimate deck that is basically top tier right now. And it's, right. A, it's a Shockland deck. And I think you'll find that you know what? If you really do want to play Legacy and you really are on a budget and you look at some of these lists, almost overwhelmingly the cost, and this isn't always true, but almost overwhelmingly the cost is tied up in those bloody dual lands. And some of these decks that are like a two-color deck, it's okay to say, all right, I am going to trade the Underground Seas out for a shop yes. land and a basic. Yes. And and we, does that dramatically make the deck worse? Probably. But then you've got the rest of the deck for a couple hundred dollars and it beats not having a deck at all decks, and starts saving up towards it. But I think with some decks, it's not a dramatic change. Like, no. So there are cards in the format that probably shot lands interact very badly with. So the, the card days, it's a counter spell. Right. It's a free mode to return islands to your hand. If you're returning a land you've shocked already to then replay it and shock yourself, in Death Shadow, that's great. If you're playing non-Death Shadow decks, you're just losing four life for no reason. So they can make some decks worse. So days decks don't tend to like shock lands. But if you're playing um, Miracles, which is right. the, the premier com- um, control deck alongside Grixis, it is draw-go control. It plays back to basics sometimes main board right. and you're playing like eight basics usually so you can cut down on dual lands for just more basics or you can play one hollow fountain at that point when you need to fetch blue white in your end step so that that that's a way you can play a budget but very powerful deck for for less than the cost of a modern deck a drowsy post if you cut grim monolith another reserve list card which is normally a two to four of the deck becomes less than a thousand dollars um there's loads of places that you can cut corners just by 
trimming on lands mainly or just changing the lands to shop lands. Um, some decks dramatically affected, some decks are only minorly affected. When I look at a lot of legacy decks that do have, and it's outrageous, you know, a uh, 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 1800 or $2,000 or $2,400 price range for the full version, but then I compare that to modern pricing, and I know that modern players will oftentimes have multiple modern decks, so I look and I see Bant Spirits is... $1,200, and I mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. that Mono Green Tron is $900, and I think, okay, Here, there's people who have both of those decks, yeah. and they'll say Legacy's too expensive, but I have two modern decks. Okay, well, you can sell so, two modern decks for one Legacy deck, but then you're done with this modern madness, and modern has been very precarious lately. So a f fun anecdote that goes exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Guess how, do you know why I own Volcanic Islands? It's because I traded in all my Grixis control and right. random modern stuff that I never touch. I've got it so I can lend to friends and play and stuff. And it's sat in folders for like years. Some of it's gone up in value, some of it's gone down in value because of reprints and such. I decided that I love Legacy so much and that I want to get other people that I, or my friends trust to borrow decks to that I want more Legacy staples. So I just shipped it all in, traded it all in to a trader that I liked with a decent buy list right. and got dual lands. Which there also, if they sit in folders for a year keep their value, where a lot of the modern staples I had, some of them went up, some of them went dramatically down. We are so, looking We are looking at post-standard coming to Arena within the year. I don't mean to be an alarmist, but it's absolutely going to get mirrored in paper, and it's very possible that given all the problems inherent in modern, right now modern, hey, we just had a modern GP, you wouldn't know it because they didn't have any coverage of it, that's another video, but they just had a modern GP and it was so diverse because they got rid of KCI, thank goodness, and it was super diverse, but Modern does have a lot of inherent problems, and they might be looking, people really feel on the horizon, this postmodern format coming in, and that could mean some very bad things for Modern. Being in Legacy, you have a certain protection, and that protection is, is that Wizards doesn't want anything to do with you, which is actually a good thing. Uh, and the fact that, as you said, a lot of these cards are just so much more likely to retain their value. Look at what happens to things like a Mox Opal once it gets, you know, banned out of modern, perhaps, and the pricing mm -hmm. on that. Look at what happened to all the Splinter Twin players after that ban. And that's just so much less likely in Legacy, and so trading and converting your stuff into Legacy staples, there is a security to that. Yeah, it's a big deal. I'm not meaning to say that this is light to start trading into dual lands, but I think that you can put together a budget Legacy deck to begin with and see if you like the format. And if you do like the format and your goal is, is I do want one of these thousand or two thousand dollar decks and I don't have that, you can build towards it yeah and i i would also recommend uh i know this isn't for sanction events and stuff but if you and people in your area want to play legacy uh, allow a proxy limit to say right on the back yeah. of a, a plane so right battle skull or whatever you're missing and just use a uh, battle skull is probably a weird example underground sea on the back that of is a, a weird land. example yeah, I don't know. I just thought it might be something to have in your folders. So you basically, can't play in modern, listen, really. listen. You're, you're you're like your regular little casual player. You've got your place out of underground seas, but you can't get a batter skull, right? So so just take one of those. Take your fifth. Take your fifth underground sea. Write batter skull on it, and 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 there you go. 
Anyway, th- th- thank you for the open mocking as always, Brian. Um, but I believe that proxying should love is Brian. And like the, the way that I started playing Legacy was that a friend of mine uh, lent me a deck to play with because right. he knew I wanted to give it a shot, and I loved it, and I fell in love with it on the spot because the game was so fun. Um, so, so yeah, proxying and borrowing with people that you trust, obviously, is a good way to promote people to play it locally t- with you to see if you get into it. Also, there seems to be a bit of a rise in Highlander stuff. I've started making some Highlander content. Australian Highlander is very popular in Australia. Canadian Highlanders, like, oh, I watched the championship of that on YouTube only a few days ago on Learning Ready Run. Right. These formats use all of these staples as well, the dual lands and the... They do, okay. and Canadian Highlanders are really great format. I actually think uh, yeah. it's one of my favorites. It's uh, it. a lot of fun. That's another video, of course. But yeah, having these cards can open up a uh, possible deck building and brewing in formats like exactly, Canadian exactly. Highlander. More fun. Uh, and being able to have proxies uh, in a non-sanctioned event, you're still sitting down and playing Legacy. And so that's another way as well. You use a proxy as a placeholder while you save up. Look into, well, I spend a couple hundred bucks every month on Magic. Stop doing that since Wizards doesn't want to support Legacy, doesn't want to repeal the reserve list to sell you the cards. So stop spending your money with them and then save that money up and in six months have enough to get that uh, uh, volcanic island or what have you or to trade into it. Yeah, and if you just if you're disenfranchised with arena and cutting off coverage and other suspect uh, right. decision making from wizards, stick it to them for a little bit. Spend yeah. your money with yeah. LGS or, 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 or similar. If they want to slash and play. burn, if they want to slash and burn the community, they want to slash and burn twenty five years of uh, what this game is built. Then they can't be surprised at the results. Proxy it up, baby. So I don't think that. Legacy is cheap, but I do think that Legacy is accessible. And I think that anybody that really feels I want to play Legacy, that there are ways to do so. It might not be Grixis Control. Yeah, maybe you will start off with a $150 burn list. Maybe you will just be building up to something like Death and Taxes, which is one of the more budget options, but that's one of Vince's favorite decks there is. It's complex. There you go. Go check out some of his videos. We'll link them in this description of him playing Death and Taxes on his channel and his stream. But there are ways to access the format. And I think that's the difference that we can't always separate in our heads this idea of, yeah, legacy is very expensive. True. But legacy still has access points and access paths. So that's one of the most common misconceptions, I think, is affordability. I want to right now do like a kind of lightning round. Now, really is, if you are looking for legacy content, seriously, joking aside, I know we, we joke around here, like Vince's Mr. Legacy, he loves that format. That's his channel's what you want to go uh, check out for that. I want to do lightning round of misconceptions about legacy. I'm going to hurl these out at Vince. I want to hear what Vince has to say. Vince, misconception number one, this is the same baloney I hear in, in Popper. Everybody plays blue. Wait, 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 I got to do it right. Everybody plays blue. Everybody's playing blue. Or everybody's on blue. There is no denying that blue is a dominant force in Legacy because we have access to Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordained Force of World Days and other similarly powerful blue spells. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also... It is... Well, okay. No, it's not... It's not it's, but it's not even the best colour for control, arguably, as well. So, blue is omnipresent. Uh, it's probably 50% of the field is often blue at any one time because of those cards. But it's not that you have to. 
Like, the, most of the blue decks will fold to random decks that don't play blue. Lands is a combo control deck that plays, like, 40-odd lands and plays no blue. Death and Taxes, my favourite deck, is, like, a it's like co um, control aggro, or thinking man's aggro, as I like to call it, and that doesn't play any blue. There are loads of decks, like Mono Red Stompy, Elves, there are loads of decks, all the, the night decks, the lone decks, that do not play blue. But it is... A dominant force, but it's not okay. everyone plays it. And you don't have to play it. Yeah, and and that's another that that that's another uh, idea of two things that you have to hold true is blue is omnipresent, as you say. Blue is going to dominate uh, as far as the number of decks in that color, but that doesn't mean there aren't answers, and it doesn't mean you have to play it. It just means and a lot also... of people are playing it. But, exactly, but it yeah. performs a safety function. So, um, actually, no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there. I'm about to say something. I think it's gonna be gonna be one of your misconceptions. So I'll pause there. I'll pause there. So, um, yeah, but blue is always there, but it's, it is not the only option. Brainstorm is very good. Okay, I agree with that. But I play non-brainstorm decks all the time. Hell, sometimes when you're playing blue, you shouldn't actually play four brainstorm and four ponder uh, and, four, and four force of will. That's a some people tell me I'm, I'm a heretic there, but it's it's true. It's true. Bug Nick fits an example for. Example for that as well next misconception and this is one in terms of gameplay people picture legacy as this insane format where it's turn one and all of these spells on both sides are firing off comboing off turn one kills is legacy a turn one format of i, I do this for zero i do this for zero i do this for one i do this this response this response <laughs> we're going nuts i'm going to pay 10 life to make this thing happen and 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 now i've got grizzlebrand on the field and emrakul comes through and you're dead no you countered it ah you can't do that and this is this idea of like just insanity of turn so one combo kills is that <laughs> legacy Sometimes it is. <laughs> because okay. that's, like I said earlier, there's a scope, right? Sometimes you have games where you're two combo decks that want to kill each other before turn three happens. That's just a thing that happens. Right. The great thing about Legacy is that there are safety valves within the format, within certain cards, that stop that from being the dominant force. There are decks in this There are decks in this format, no whatever lie. Things we haven't mentioned yet, that budget decks, called Oops All Spells right. is one of them, and Char Belcher is another one, right. which are super cheap decks, barring some playing of Lion's Eye Diamonds here and there which kill you on turn one. Mm. Their idea is just to kill you on turn one or sometimes turn two. Those decks cannot beat, for the most part, Force of Will. The right. free blue counter spell. That counter spell was not a good card on its own. It's normally a very bad card. You don't you start it out against fair matchups because it's card disadvantage. But you have it as a safety valve to stop the ludicrous combo decks from always going off and killing people. So blue, as I said, I was going to say it a minute ago, serves a function in sort of having a safety valve on the format. On top of that, because spells tend to be cheaper in Legacy in terms of mana cost, everyone's playing the most efficient things possible. Like I said, Ponder, Preordon, and Brainstorm, for example. Delvers as threats. Chalice of the Void is... 10 times as effective as it is in modern. It mm -hmm. is legitimately, there is a strategy where you just play a chalice and then just play whatever card you want afterwards. I've won games with pirates. I've played mono blue pirate stompy and I just kill people with fell flagships and pirates from, from Ixalan block because chalice of the void is that good. Those cards create safety valves. That means that turn one combo decks cannot run run the gambit and run the, the format. And then you create a diverse metagame around that where there are decks like Death and Taxes, which fold quite hard to turn one and turn two combo if you're not on the on the play, but they have a very good time at punishing the blue Force of Will decks by going, your forces are bad, I'm playing Aetherval, I'm playing Cavern, I'm playing cards that you don't want to force, I'm going to play a fair game, I'm going to grind you out. So, like I said earlier, the format is so diverse, you can do all of these things, 
but you're not always going to get away with it. There's going to be back and forth, and people are going to try and stop you with some of the best permission and best magic cards ever printed, and it creates a very interesting, I guess, dynamic, to use a buzzword, a dynamic format to play. Well, uh, if you'll allow me to shift the paradigm to the next misconception, I sure. would like to throw out this idea that Legacy is a stale format where there is no brewing. You mentioned mono blue pirates. I don't know what that's about. It is <laughs> Legacy a format where brewers can have fun? Or is this really, I'm going to play eight different variations of Delver? I used to think that was the case a little bit. I used to be scared to brew in Legacy. Right. I've soon found out that Modern is the format to be scared to brew in because you just die so quickly and don't have the ways to, to stop to removal. You. you just die so die, quickly to removal. Yes. Or four Phoenixes on turn two. Either way, I yeah, mean, right, whatever. That's just, that's, that's I love way. that deck. Um, <laughs> do, do you really like it? I like winning with it. See, here's the yeah, thing, Vince. Sure. I like winning. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like a big man. And, and sure, so, sure. like... Yeah, if I can win, I like it. Yeah, fine, fine, whatever. <laughs> but but legacy, legacy. Um, so it, I can brew. You're telling me that you were afraid, yes. but so, actually discovered. Go on. So cards like Force and Chalice of the Void and, and Cabal Therapy and Wasteland allow you to interact with your opponent in a way that facilitates you being able to do your game plan, which can sometimes be silly stuff. So... I've got a video up on channelfirewall.com at some point this week, I think, where I play Peer and Toothy from Battlebond in the same deck as Hydroid Crisis. Wow. And the deck was solid. The deck was really solid. I made some mistakes, so I could have got a slightly better record than I did, but I had a good result. Deck was solid. There's a Fantastic. deck called Nick Fit in the format. Yes. Nick Fit, I won't go into huge detail, I could talk a whole deck tech on it, but the whole idea is you get more lands into play than your opponent through virtue of having more basics in your deck than other people have. And you just play commander cards. You play Gitrog monsters and Hydrocrasis and stuff. So there are decks that allow you to play all sorts of silly things, and you can. Like I said earlier, because of the breadth of interaction, uh, you can play pet cards and unique things. And, and also, so, okay, Brian, what if I told you that blue-black ninjas might be the new hot thing in Legacy? I would call How would that make you I feel? would probably say you're a liar. How could how could such it's an true. awesome and tantalizing idea exist in such a stale dead format such as Legacy? Do go well, on. Well, let me tell you. Oh, please. We inject cards into the format via via sets like Commander, for example. Ooh, so, so what was the injected new blue, in? Black, the Ninja Legendary that has uh, it has, has Commander Ninjutsu, but the Commander bit's not relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, she makes it that whenever a ninja hits someone, you reveal top card in your library, and the opponent takes damage equal to it. But basically, it's it's bred this archetype now where you you're bouncing Belfort structures back to hand and putting ninjas in and just ninjaing people. And there's this guy who's just he's five would like three or four leagues at this point with this deck, and it's come out of nowhere because the Commander sets just come out online. People have not had the chance to test with it in paper as much, and now Blueback Ninjas is a real thing that people are brewing to find the best version of. That so is awesome. Not only not only do we get new cards in standard, we get new cards from Commander. Battle Bond. Battle Bond was incredible for Legacy. It had so many cards in it. Conspiracy. Conspiracy gave us Council Judgment. Uh, Trina Nemesis was a commander set. Scavenging Ooze. Before it got printed as standard, got printed in Commander, and then people stopped playing Tarmogoyf. There's a period of time right. when people went, I'm not going to play Goyf anymore, because four Scavenging Ooze is strictly correct. That wasn't correct, but people gave it a shot. So my point is, it's not stale, it's exciting. Every single set brings something new and exciting for Legacy. And to the point that single one mana spells and zero mana spells and two mana spells that are bad and standard 
can be good in older formats. Like I said, Chalice is ten times better. Chalice right. sees more play than Thought sees for the most part because it's normally sideboarding its spell-based combo decks. So some cards slip through the net in standard that you're like, oh, I wish this card was good enough. Eldest Reborn? Eldest Reborn? I registered that in a Legacy deck because Legacy is crazy, but in the best possible way. Well, then I guess that brings me to the next misconception, which is just, is Legacy dead? Is that Legacy is, nobody plays it, nobody can afford it. Uh, it, it Legacy events never fire, it, so if I put a Legacy deck together, I'm going to go down and sit in my shop with two other people, uh, one of which has a fully proxied deck, and no event is going to fire. There's never going to be wizard support, the reserve list is never going away, there's never going to be a Legacy GP, although there was actually. Uh, uh, is Legacy just a dead format full of bitter old men um so it depends so the thing i'm going to say about your local area yes. i would look at your local area seriously before you go investing in like two legacy decks and don't get to play them because some places just don't have a legacy scene that right. is an unfortunate fact right i played against a gentleman playing legacy this weekend at an event in england and he told me in the north of england where he lives there's very few legacy players which mm -hmm. is a shame mm -hmm. that said Legacy is constantly being innovated and changed upon through Modo. It's probably one of the formats that will prop up Modo and allow it to, uh, Magic the Gathering Online, allow it to breathe out its zombified life after Arena takes over everything. Right. The cube, which will eventually go to Arena, and, right. and Legacy, let's be honest. Right. But that, that's where the innovation happens. But on top of that, we've got a Legacy GP coming up in April, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. uh, Niagara Falls. I will be there. I will be there playing Legacy. So if you're a Legacy fan, or you get into Legacy because of this, and go to Niagara Falls... In, is it in Buffalo? My geography's terrible. Come and say hello. But there's a Legacy GP coming up. They're not that regular, but Wizards still talk to Channel Fireball and throw Legacy Scene a bone by getting us a Legacy GP here and there and a few places between. So I don't think it's dead. I think it struggles in some places because there just isn't enough people playing it in some places. But uh, every GP I go to, every Grand Prix or Magic Fest I go to, the Legacy Child events are rammed. Uh, they're, just, they're just... People... Travel to GPs as like the hub for the legacy community. And I think and that legacy, GPs. I think that legacy is going to continue to be alive the more and more Wizards of the Coast makes mistakes elsewhere. Uh, I think this mm -hmm. has always been a case. Uh, legacy, in some ways, because of that reserve list, is protected from too much Wizards meddling, and the more and more Wizards is going to slash and burn uh, other parts of the game, because now they want everything to be arena, and they want everything to be standard, they want everything to be draft, and you know what's going to happen is there's going to be the modern migration. People migrating out of modern, which Wizards is is, is going to devalue and uh, de-emphasize, and they're not going to go from modern to postmodern. They're not going to go from modern to post-standard or whatever they're going to call it. People are going to say, well, people are probably going to quit playing, but the people that don't quit playing are going to say, F this, I'm going into Legacy because it's going to give me more of the experience and gameplay and security that I need. What's to keep them in two years from saying, now we've got post-postmodern, now we've got new post-postmodern standard, whatever. Legacy is this being that exists behind a wall. That wall does prohibit certain points of entry, but it also protects once you have entered. And once you have that legacy Certainly. deck sitting in your deck box protected uh, from Wizards of the Coast and their insanity, then you have got a deck for 
life. And if it's a deck you love to play, if it's a deck that you could just play forever, well, that's exactly what it was designed to do. And so I think that Legacy is far from a dead format. It is a different format. It is a difficult format in many ways to enter, but once you're inside, there's a lot of freedom. And so, so I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I'm I'm trying to be a realist in the sense that there is the difficulty of making sure you got a play group to play with. Yeah, that's but true. I have a lot of friends who have got into the format, and they have sold out of standard and sold out of modern. And some of them even stopped playing commander if they don't get to go to sure. the commander nights anymore. But they've kept their legacy decks. Right. You know, barring some extreme attempt at ruining the format with bands, they'll get to play their deck. And Something else I want to add on top of that is that if you are sat there thinking, oh, these guys are talking rubbish. If Wizards won't endorse it as much as we hope they would, then it can't survive. Well, right. look at old school. Old school currently allows people to play with like collector's edition stuff, which Wizards would never sanction. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had problems with in the past and things like that. And old school is... Eh, I, I go as far as to say it's thriving. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's a community-led project. And Legacy will be that, except Wizards can still print cards for it mm-hmm. uh, that can get played in it in new sets. They still care to some extent. And legacy players tend to be, from my experience, A, they tend to be really, really diehard into the format. And therefore, they're willing to put the effort into travel or to help the community set up things, lending decks out. There's some great individuals in England who lend decks out to their entire communities to let legacies thrive. And two, legacy players, because they may not get to play legacy that often, and only at the big events like Magic Fest, etc., they're always so happy to be playing. It is very, very rare. In other formats, I've sat down, I've won or lost, and people have got salty, right? Mm. And they'll storm off. I very rarely see a legacy player get generally tilted because they're just happy to be playing the format that they love with the cards they love. Some of these people have owned these cards since they were just dollar rares and things, and are lucky, and they just love playing with these old cards that they've owned. So, So legacy players often just really enjoy playing the format rain or shine losses not losses and that's great that's one of the main reasons that i love legacy so much because the, the the community around it feels really quite welcoming more so than you expect for something that feels like it might be elitist legacy, everyone's just thankful to get a game legacy players are happy when you show up to play legacy and yes. uh so it does create a, a much more welcoming community legacy is a great format and i think if nothing else from this entire episode that you should take away is if it is something that you want to pursue that you want to look into don't let a mental barrier of fear of affordability of fear of complexity of fear of blue stop you from looking into it because it really is great enjoyment and great fun. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think, everything I wanted to say on Legacy for today. Vince, if people want to find you and your Legacy content, uh, what should they go check out? Yes, I am called Pleasant Kenobi everywhere. So youtube.com forward slash Pleasant Kenobi, twitch.com forward slash Pleasant Kenobi, and twitter.com forward slash Pleasant Kenobi are the best places to find me. I stream um, like three times a week now, but I stream every single Monday at 7pm GMT without fail. The other ones move around a little bit. I play Legacy, a little bit of Vintage, Modern, Commander. I've played some Standard last week. I am a jack of all trades, but... And a master of none, but I am a, fa- I am a favor and a fan of Legacy. Um, so please check out my channel. Go have a look. I've got loads of Legacy content over there. I play. I've played all sorts. I've played. Uh, I played Bug Affinity Pod the other day, Professor. Where I was activating Birthing Pod to pod Frogmites into Thrag Tusks and pod Mean Forces into Sundering Titans. The deck was sick. It was so much fun because Legacy allows you to do dumb stuff like that. And if you that's, are, that's me. That's. 
And that is fantastic, and I think we're going to be getting Thanks, some Brian. games soon, and if you are a fan of this podcast and you are listening to it, you can always check us out on YouTube at Tolarian Community College. If you are watching us on YouTube, you can check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, anywhere podcasts are found. I've got some links in the description. If you'd like, you can really help us out by picking up some merch. I am sporting the Dies to Removal t-shirt today. We also have the Dies to Removal playmat available at Tolarian Community communitycollege.com forward slash store. So whether it is just Vince, just the professor, both of us and more, we will be seeing you next week or the week after next, depending on whether or not we feel like making a video. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you anon.